0: This sermon is brought to you by Shofar Christian Church. We hope that you will be blessed by this message. Our audio and video sermons are also available on Shofar TV to download and share. My name is George. For those of you who don't know who I am, I'm the Young Adults Pastor. This is becoming a tricky one for me, how to describe what my position is, because I used to describe it as... Um, if you 're not studying anymore so you 're done studying and you 're not pushing a pram yet then you're then i 'm your pastor but this is becoming a bit of an issue as in march we 're having our first child so then technically i 'm not my wife 's pastor anymore <laughs> so i 'm figuring out how to explain my position from there from from march next year but it 's so good to be with you guys um, I hope that everybody 's here for summer camp or for other reasons, not like I used to be here still in December, because I had so many hair. you could have called me herman. Is there anybody still writing? Because I remember that I wrote on the 6th of December, there's one, two, three, there's a couple of people that know, I know your pain, I know your pain. I wrote on the last, a couple of years, I wrote on the last day of exams, the last session, there's nobody in Stanambosh. But thank you for being here. It's amazing to see everybody here tonight. Um, yeah, I'm going to start by just uh, just sharing a couple of thoughts, and then we're going to pray, and then we'll jump straight into it, into the scriptures. But we, I'm going to start by saying that we all have perceptions, our, our lives the, way the, the, the place that we grew up in, the parents that we have, the schools that we went to, the situations and circumstances, the things that happen to us in our lives, um, they all lead us to have certain perceptions about who God is. And you know, our culture, everything in our upbringing up to where we are now, causes us to have a certain view. Of who God is and how God is. And I want to start by saying that from scripture, that God is perfect. God is perfect in all of his ways. And whatever your perception of God is, we have to submit to that because the word is truth. The Bible speaks the truth and it says that God is perfect. So it doesn't matter what situation or what stuff you're going through, God is perfect. In all of his ways. And we need to submit to that. So I've got some pictures. I have permission from my wife. I have some pictures. Yeah. If you guys can just go to the next slide. That's me and my wife. Um, we were at a wedding. We were, we were making coffee at a wedding. And uh, there were two artists. Uh, caricature artists. That do drawings like this. And they said they want to. They're just sitting there doing nothing. Can they draw us? So this is how they draw us. That's the one picture. You can go to the next slide. That's the other picture. It's two of them that drew drew us at exactly the same time. Maybe you can go to the next slide. It puts them next to one another. But as you can see, the artists saw something on our faces and our eyes. The sun was shining in our eyes. We were looking straight into the eyes. So we were squinting. That's why our eyes are so small. But um, it's the same, this is what our upbringing, this is what our life and our perception looks like when we come to God, is some things are bigger, some things are more prominent, some things stand out to us more than other things. And oftentimes it's a good thing in the sense that we really understand, for instance, the love of God. We really understand like these how can I say, lacquered things about God, the the nice things about God, but the things that we don't always want to go to have these small parts that don't stand out. It's our perception that we have of who God is. So at the same time that Scripture tells us that God is perfect, it tells us that we are full of sin, that we are completely imperfect, and we come nowhere close to the glory of God. Nowhere close. We all have sinned and we all fall short of the glory of God. But there's hope. Because we were not called to be perfect, but we were called to be obedient. I love what Christelle said this morning. And if you have time, go on Facebook or YouTube and go and listen to this morning's sermon. I cried so much. Um, It's just an amazing message. But she just spoke into the fact that God never called us to be perfect, but he called us to be obedient. He called us to be with him. Psalm 16 verse 11, it's not on the the slides, but it says, You make known to me the path of life. In your presence there is fullness of joy. At your right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And sometimes this doesn't seem like truth for us. Because if we look around us in the world and we look at our lives sometimes, there's so much chaos There's so much disorder that it's sometimes difficult for us to believe that, like, is Jesus really in control? But if we look at scripture, the main storyline, despite this chaos, the the, the broadband storyline of scripture, says that God wants us to draw near to him and he wants to draw near to us. He wants to be our God. And he wants us to be his people. Isaiah 26 verse 3 says, You keep him in perfect peace, whose mind is stayed on you, because he trusts you. Do you trust God? Because if you do, he will keep you in perfect peace. You might not be perfect. Your circumstances might not be perfect. But he will give you perfect peace. I'm going to pray for us and then we're going to jump into the message for today so father we thank you that you are good and that you are faithful lord as jason said earlier that we can trust you thank you that you are perfect in all of your ways lord and tonight we we want to draw near to you holy spirit help us draw near to god tonight help us see god for who he really is Come and and help us see him fully. Help us put away these perceptions and these things that have shaped the image of God in our minds. And let us see God tonight for who he is. Lord, we come and submit to your word tonight. May it have entrance into our hearts, all of us here. And may it bear fruit in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Okay, 1 John 1 verse 5 to 10. This is the message we have heard from him and proclaimed to you, that God is light and in him there is no darkness at all. If we say we have fellowship with him while we walk in darkness, we lie and do not practice the truth. Is not in us so it's a lot to take in but basically what it's saying there's there's these these uh, concepts that are at war with one another walking in the light versus walking in darkness the truth of who god is of who we are and lying or the lie that the devil brings jesus's forgiveness of our sins and our sins that make us need forgiveness and if we look at uh, the first part that talks about walking in the light, and this is what we're going to focus on tonight, is, is what does it mean to to walk in the light? What does it mean to walk in darkness? What does it mean to, to abide in the truth? What does it mean to abide in God's forgiveness? So, we all agree that we want to walk in the, in the light. Amen? Okay. So what does it mean to walk in the light? Just one chapter on in one one John two verse ten, it says, Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. Whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. In the first scripture that we say that we read, it said that This is the message that was proclaimed to you, that God is light. So if God is light, and we abide in the light, we therefore abide in God. Amen? And there is no cause for stumbling. So if we love our brother or our sister, we abide in the light, we therefore abide in God, and we walk in the light. But the tricky thing about this, Peace is that this calling of love it 's not an iffy type of love it 's not just like oh, maybe i 'll you know uh, do the dishes or maybe i 'll pick up the piece of paper or maybe i 'll give you a lift to church but it's it 's that christ love that that i 'm going to lie, lay down my life for you type of love if you if you 've ever read anything that john writes it 's this deep love that where he says, this is a new commandment I give you. Not to love others as you love yourself, but to love others as Christ has loved you. Which is, a, that's deep, it's, it's profound. And this is what he's talking, talking about. He said, whoever loves his brother abides in the light, and in him there is no cause for stumbling. And maybe if we can just go back to the 1 John 1 scripture there it says but if we walk in the light as he is in the light we have fellowship with one another and the blood of jesus his son cleanses us from all sin so if we love our brother or our sister we walk in the light and if we walk in the light according to this scripture we have fellowship with one another and that one another is towards god having fellowship with God because we abide in Him, and having fellowship with one another as Christians, fellow Christians. So it's talking about both of those. When we walk in the light, we have fellowship with God and His people. And Jesus' blood cleanses us of all sin. So if that's walking in the light, then what does it mean to walk in the darkness? And in 1 John 2, That piece that we read now, whoever loves his brother, that's verse 10, verse 11. Just the next verse, it says, But whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and does not know where he is going because the darkness has blinded his eyes. The opposite of love is hate. And therefore, if we hate, we walk in darkness, we walk in sin. And here it's important that John is not telling us, and and, and I mentioned it a bit earlier, but John is not telling us, he's not looking for perfection, but he's, he's urging us to walk in the light. It's important to know this. Because throughout that scripture, it keeps saying, if you think you don't have sin, then you're deceived. If you think you don't have sin, then the truth is not in you. But this kind of, you know, But am I forgiven of my sin then? Did Jesus die for my sin? And this is what we're going to look at. Sin makes us walk in darkness, we would agree. And it blinds us. And when I think of, when, when I read this piece of, um, but whoever hates his brother is in the darkness and walks in the darkness and doesn't know where he's going because the darkness has blinded his eyes, a story came into my mind. And if we find it in the in the Gospel of Luke, I think, see now, I forgot to put it on the slides. But you can follow with Luke 18, verse 10 to 14. Sorry, I just need to get there. Okay, I'm going to start from verse 9. He also told this parable, Luke 18, verse 9. But the tax collector, standing far off, would not even lift up his eyes to heaven, but beat his breast, saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. I tell you, this man went down to his house justified rather than the other. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled, but the one who humbles himself will be exalted. And this is what sin does to us. This Pharisee comes in and he doesn't actually know like the scripture says. he is in the dark. He walks in the darkness and doesn't know where he's going. He thinks he's doing the right thing. He thinks he's like on it. He thinks he's in the good books with God. Like he's just doing all the right things. So I can just see him waltzing into the, into the temple just being like, you know what God, you must be so grateful that I am here. Because I'm not like other people. You know, I don't get angry when I drive. I don't hoot at people. I don't swear when I bump my toe on the table. I, you know, I, I'm, just, I'm just perfect. You know, I, I, even t- I even fast twice a week. I tithe. You must be so grateful that I'm here. And on the other hand, there's a man who's very aware of who God is. And who he is. And he says, God, be merciful on me, a sinner. I need your grace. I need you in my life because I'm so far from where I should be. But it's you who can enable me to walk through this life. I had a, about three, two, three weeks ago, I don't know, sometime in November, um, I was driving... So we live here in the buurt, and in the buurt there are so many stop streets, and so many speed bumps, but nobody really abides by them. Like, you kind of, like, just touch your foot on the brake to please your conscience that you, that you stopped at the stop street, but you don't really stop at the stop street. So I'm driving, I can't remember if it was after work, but I was driving, and I, but I, I wanted to get home, I wanted to see my wife, I wanted to, and... And there's this guy. He's obviously not from the Boert. Obviously. Because he, he's driving and he stops and dead. I, I think he pulls up his handbrake. It's not a learner driver. He pulls up, I think he pulls up his handbrake at every single stop street. And I find myself getting angry at this guy. I'm like, what are you doing? Who drives like this? Who drives like this? I'm just being honest. Like, Seriously. Can you not just put your foot on the petrol and just go? Please, just like, you know, I drive. And and in my head, I'm subtly saying like, yes, this guy just can't drive. I obviously drive way better than what he does. And then conviction hit me in the face like a freight train. And I realized that this is what sin does to us. It hardens our heart and it blinds us that we don't actually know where we're going because this guy is abiding by the law and I'm getting angry at him because he's abiding by the law i'm the pharisee i'm the pharisee in the story and it's a simple example but that's exactly what we do this is exactly what sin does you see the stop street isn't there to put a limitation on what i can and cannot do but it's there to bring safety and order onto the road i'm bringing chaos and i'm breaking the law but i'm getting angry at him and this is what sin does it blinds us and we stand in front of God and we say, you know what, at least I don't sin as bad as that one. I'm going to be honest with you guys now for a moment again. Um, that oftentimes when I sit in in the, in the pews, we don't have pews, but in the seats in the congregation, and I'm, and I'm not preaching and I hear somebody preach on something that I think I have a good revelation of, that the Lord's spoken to me about. I honestly think, wow, um, you know, that was cool, but I, I would have rather taken it this way because it would have worked out better. You know, I think, I think God would have blessed the message more if he took it this way and not that way. And I find myself and I'm like, wow, man. Where has sin come into my life that has hardened my heart, that I can't even support the people who are standing on stage who have spent hours and hours preparing but I want to exalt myself. I don't want to humble myself and serve. And that's what the sinful nature does to us. And just as we form perceptions about who God is, like our lives, and and we spoke about this, that, that it creates certain perceptions of who he is, it also creates a certain perception of the way that he will react to us when we come to him. So, like those caricatures that you saw, those pictures that you saw, we we see God in a certain way. But if you take it a step further, it all, our lives also create, and our circumstances also create uh, a perception in our minds of when I come to God, He's going to react in a certain way. Especially when it comes to repentance, especially when it comes to our sins because we don't want to be rejected we don't want to be cast aside and the two pictures that i believe the lord showed me for for us tonight and i've i've been sitting and weeping this week with these two pictures because because this is how i feel this is something that that the lord has come to do in my life and sh- and show me but the first picture is a is a picture of of an abused animal. We I'm gonna use dog but just to not discriminate, I'm just gonna say an abused animal. That this animal, its owner, beats it and shouts at it and just chucks it outside and doesn't give it enough food and doesn't care for it. And every time the master calls the animal that for for me it's a dog in my mind, let's just see it, that the dog comes like shaking and doesn't really want to come to the master but in fear of more punishment and more beating it just comes to the master with its tail between his legs and there's this terrifying fear there's no trust there's no love there's the you know it's just a terrible experience and i think for many of us this is what we think and this is our perception of how we think god is going to react to us when we come with our sin when we come with our faults, when we come with our failures, that he's just going to say, you're not good enough. You know what? Just He's going to sit there with a lightning bolt and just strike you. Or he's going to strike infirmity over you because of your sin. Or he's going to you know, take away blessing because of your sin. And he's just this grumpy old man up in heaven that, that just wants to, you know, waiting for you to make a mistake so that he can get at you. That's the first picture. And the second picture is of, like, a filthy, stinky person. And I don't know if you've ever been on mission. But if you've been on mission, like, to India or to Africa, you will know this feeling. When you get on the plane back and you're not, like, you know, in mission mode anymore. You're kind of, like, aiming at home. And you just feel like you can't see your skin anymore. There's just dust and dirt everywhere, and sweat everywhere, and you don't really want to sit next to the person on the bus or the plane because you're scared, you stink so much, you know. Has anybody experienced that before? You know, I I went on a mission to Madagascar in 2016, and we sat in the back of an open bucky, Zane and I, Zane now. For 10 days. And at times we had to jump off the back of the bucky. And help push the bucky through the mud. So we're up to mud over here. And we traveled for 10 days. No shower, no bed, no nothing. When I... I was feeling sorry for the people that had to sit next to me. Because we were 8 people in the back of a... What was that? 14 people in the back of a a double cab bucky. um, Traveling through the Madagascan rainforest. But this, this, this feeling of being... Um, you know, dirty and full of, just full of dirt and stinky. We think, we have this perception that this is us and we come with our sin and we come towards God and He's just going to be like, whoa, 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 whoa. Go out, go take a bath, go sort yourself out, go and get rid of all your filth, go and get rid of all your odor, deodorize yourself a bit, use a bit of perfume and then you come back to me. And this is the, oftentimes the perception that we have when we come to God with our sin, with our stuff, with our failures. These are the two pictures. In the beginning I said that there's two, I don't know if I said it, but there's two parts to walking in the light. The first one is love your brother, love like Christ, love your brother, love your sister. We all know this, and this is what we're really good at. You know, we're good at preaching it, we're good at telling each other to live in love. This is... And it's good. It's really good. Second part. Um, I, guess I must really put verses in. <laughs> but it, I think it's uh, verse 9 or 10 on 1 John 1. It says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we confess our sins. I'll tell you another story that my first, one of my most real experiences that I had with, with a concept of, of repentance was in, in grade eight. So we had this accounting teacher, and this is just my perception, it's not necessarily the reality, but it just seemed like this lady was out to be bitter. And angry at the world. And she was, she was quiet. Like she was proper, proper, proper strict. Like old school strict. And, um, she would check our homework every single day. Like, not just come and walk and see, oh, you did something. She would look and she would be like, oh no, this is yesterday's homework. No, 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 no. So, it was a daily routine. We would come into class, you would open your book where the homework was, she would walk up to you, and if you didn't do your homework, you would have to stand. So a couple of times I had to stand, and not many times, just a couple. Um, couple is two. <laughs> um, and she would go through the class, and everybody who didn't do their homework would stand, and then she would say, right, all of you standing, down to Mr. Fisaghi. When I was still at school, we used to get hidings um, and we had to go down, we had to get our hidings and we had to come back to to class and You would hear all you know everybody knows the excuses now I had sport, now I had extramural activities, my dog ate my homework, whatever whatever excuse you can think of there was, but no, you must stand if your homework wasn 't done so 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 we would work out the system that if if you didn't do your homework, we would get one guy to do the homework. And the next day you get there and you just copy his homework. Not productive at all, but it kept you from getting a hiding. So one day I walk into class and I'm just like, oh, I didn't even think about homework. And we had so much to do. Oh, I'm going to get a hiding today. I don't even know why I forgot. I just completely forgot. And I was sitting there. I was probably on the first row, sixth from the front crazy how people remember how I remember such vividly, such vivid images. But I was sitting there, and she came to me, and she looked, and I think there was like two lines written in the book. And she said, why isn't your homework done? And in that moment, I just decided to tell her the truth. And I was like, ma'am, I have no excuse. I just didn't do it. And she said, stay sitting. And I, and I was like, okay, what's going to happen now? (laughs) This is new. And she goes throughout the whole class and and the guys go with their excuses again, sport man, what, what, what stand, go, get a hiding, I stay sitting. Wow. This is amazing. If we confess our sins <laughs> If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all all unrighteousness. Jason mentioned it earlier, but that God is faithful. And what that means is that when he promises something, he's not going to change his mind on it. When God promises forgiveness, he will give forgiveness. But this is the amazing part of this, is it doesn't just say that God is faithful. It says that he is just, that he is fair to forgive us our sins and to cleanse us from all all unrighteousness because of the cross of Jesus Christ, because Jesus Christ came and said that you can't pay for your own sins and I won't allow you to be separated from God for eternity. I, God, am going to come as man to die on your behalf, to be a scapegoat for you, to wipe away all your sins. That on the cross, he says, I despise the shame. I say no to the sins I forgive you of your sins, that in the cross we have forgiveness already, that it is fair for God to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us of all unrighteousness. But the key is to confess our sins. You see, the first part of walking in the light is that we have to love the way that Christ loved. Love the Lord your God with everything. And love others in the same way. Love your neighbor in the same way. But God sets the standard so high that we miss it so often. There are times when heaven and earth come together and we love perfectly. And there's these like, there's these God moments in church, outside of church, where, where you just know that God has done something here. But there's other times where we fall so short of this command to love the way that Christ is loved. But God gives us a way out. He says, when you fall short of this high standard of loving your brother or your sister, come and confess your sins. Not only will I forgive you, but I will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. You see, I'm not just sitting there waiting for you to make a mistake so that I can punish you, or so that I can make your life worse, or so that I can take your blessing away. When you make a mistake and you come to me, I will forgive you. I will will forgive you of all your sins. You see, when you're dirty and you're filthy and you're stinky, I don't chase you away and say, go and clean yourself and then come back to me. He says, I will cleanse you of all unrighteousness. Because of the cross of Jesus Christ, I will allow you to stand in my presence and to be a child of God. We access this when we come in confession of our sins. Is your joy full? You see, we have this perception about repentance. And yes, we need to mourn. Yes, we need to be anguished when we walk outside of the will of God because we want to please Him, because we want to be obedient to Him. But there's this this transaction that takes place when we repent. When we come to God and we confess, when we come to one another and we confess, that brings the utmost joy. Yes, that repentance is heavy, that we have these weights and these sins and we come to God and we say, Lord, I don't want to displease you. I don't want to walk outside your will. And I give you and I confess and I say that this is what I've done wrong. But God gives us joy from that i'm going to read for us psalm 103 it's 14 verses but it's in this context it's 14 of the most beautiful verses that you will hear we sang of it tonight bless the lord O my soul and all that is within me bless his holy name bless the lord O my soul and forget not all his benefits who forgives all your iniquity who heals all your disease who redeems your life from the pit So the Lord shows compassion to those who fear Him. For He knows our frame. He remembers that we are dust. Forget not all His benefits. Remember that He has removed your sin as far as the east is from the west. That He is slow to anger. That He is abounding in steadfast love. This is the God that we come to. No matter of your perception, no matter of your circumstances, no matter what's happened to you in your life, this is the God that we come to through the blood of Jesus Christ. That in heaven, it says in, in the scriptures that the enemy, the devil, stands in the presence of God and accuses you of certain things. He says, Yanni does this, and Sana does this, and what, what, what. Look at how they are sinning. Look at how they are displeasing you. And God looks at the devil and he says, the blood of Jesus Christ speaks a better word than every empty claim that you are making. Because no longer do I view them just on their flesh, but I view them through the blood of Jesus Christ. Ultimate, the broad storyline is that God wants to make us his people. He wants us, he wants to be our God. Ultimately, walking in the light leads us to be with God. When we love, we abide in God. Because we can only love because we've been loved. Because we've received love. We abide in God when we confess our sins. When we bring things into the light. Loving like Christ, we need the Holy Spirit to love like Jesus Christ. Not And when, not if, when we fail at this. We confess our sins. And Jesus' blood comes to take effect in our lives. To forgive us and to clean us of all unrighteousness. God is not looking for perfection. But he's looking for humility. To keep coming to him. To not be like the Pharisee and say, you know what? I'm blessing you by coming to be in your presence. But he's looking for humility to say, Lord, I'm I fall fall so far short of your glory. I just don't make it. But I'm coming because you said I must come and that you will cleanse me. That you will heal me. And you are faithful and you are just. See, things are not perfect right now. There's this scripture in Hebrews 2 that has just been speaking to me this last while. It says, I'm not going to quote it, I'm going to paraphrase it. But it says that everything is subject to Jesus So everything is under his rule. But as yet, we don't see everything subject to him. Which we can agree on. If we look at the world around us, we know from scripture that everything is subject to Jesus. But there's still chaos. There's still disorder in the world. But it says, but we see him who was made lower than the angels for a little while. That we might be reconciled unto God. That we see Jesus. And that there's a hope. That one day everything is going to be restored. See in this time that we are in now. I was walking in darkness. Now I'm walking in light. God redeemed my life. I was doing evil. And he redeemed me to do good. But God is coming to restore. Not just redeem. But to restore the world. In its fullness. I'm going to read for us the last scripture. And then we're going to pray together. Revelation 21. Verse 1 to 4. This is our hope. This is what we look forward to one day. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away. And the sea was no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore, for the former things have passed away. See, Adam and Eve messed up big time. That's the beginning of the book. But you get those people that walk into a bookshop and then they read the end of the book to see if it's worth it. Read the, read the end of the Bible. You'll see that it's worth it to follow God. A day where there's no more pain, there's no more tears, there's no more crying. Perfect unity with God. Where this world that we know as know becomes perfect again. When heaven and earth become one. where Jesus comes back and he restores. He makes everything new again. We become perfect and we have a perfect relationship with God. See, we're called to this love. And the Holy Spirit enables us. To love. I've said this a couple of times, but it's, we really need to trust the Holy Spirit to lead us in this love. But when we fall short, there is hope to come and confess. When we get angry, when we are judgmental, when we are impatient, when we are selfish, when we bear the fruit of flesh which leads to death and destruction, there is hope. Confess your sins. To one another and to God, because God will come to forgive your sins and He will cleanse you from all unrighteousness. Thank you for listening. Remember that our sermon audio and videos are also available on Shofar TV. Go to www.shofaronline.tv to download and share.